Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, hello there to you. It's time for another Driven Chat Podcast. Hopefully you've been one of the uh, scores of people that's started to enjoy the podcast every Monday morning. We're trying to have it drop so that when you get up for your first coffee of the week, you can start with a little bit of automotive chat with us here at the Driven Chat team. And I'm so pleased to be able to say that once again this week, you don't have to just worry about Amy, John and myself. Oh, no, we are. Do you know what? We are actually spoiling you in the biggest way possible right now. If I were to say to you, my dear listener, and I say listener because, you know, mum, I appreciate it. If I were to say to you, right, who is the biggest name in automotive in TV? And by big, I don't mean alphabetically. I mean, who is the colossus of TV cars? There's only one answer. It's Mike Brewer. Mike, how you doing, baby? I'm all right, Andy. Yes, I, when you said big and colossus, I'm thinking, is he talking in terms of girth and size? And the problem, where's he going with it? Is it because I simply can't fit behind a steering wheel or something? What's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, American diets will do that to you, Mike. But you've, you know, you've been, do. you've been trimming down, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I'm, listen, I, uh, I like most people out there in the wide world, I've been on a 30-year diet, and uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the man upstairs blessed me with this amazing shape, and it doesn't matter what I do. I could eat nothing but a bowl of salad uh, for t- three weeks. I could have a bowl of salad every day for three weeks, 
and I still maintain this bloody size. <laughs> Nothing seems to work. Uh, so at the moment, I'm I'm trying just as normal. You know, I try my hardest. I'm cycling a lot. I've got a really good push bike, so I I live in a lovely part of the world. So I'm cycling every day about uh, 18 miles a day and sometimes a little bit more if I can feel, uh, feel like doing it. And I'm just trying, but I'll be honest with you. Hang on, Mike. 18 miles a day? Yeah, about 18 miles a day. I've got to ask, Mike, is this with the electric-assisted bike? (laughs) No, it's not. I was going to say the absolute... I'll tell you the truth. When I'm going down the beach, uh, you've got the wind on your back, so you don't need any assistance because you pedal faster than the assistance. When you turn around and come back, uh, you're into the wind. So I just put it on number one, so you still have to pedal quite hard on number one, but you can just feel the sort of gentle hand of somebody sort of every time there's a gust of wind, you just cut through the wind a little bit better. But I come back absolutely exhausted every time I go out on the bike and come back. So I do work up a a proper sweat doing it. Um, And I'll I'll keep it going, but I'll be honest with you. I think I'm just moving the fat around to other parts of my body. I think that's about it. You're just sculpting yourself to be more aerodynamic. That's what you're doing. (laughs) I'm correct. That's all it is. I'm just going to have a massive big fat. Well, I mean, I can attest to this, and I have missed these as a result of lockdown. Mike gives the best hugs out of everyone I know. I absolutely love a cuddle with Mike. Oh, that's nice. I am a hugger. I like people, you know. I love people, but but especially you. You're one of my best friends, and uh, yeah, I'm. And that's the one thing about this whole uh, social distancing that I really, really miss is that contact with people, that being able to hug them, even. Strangers, when I meet them at shows or uh, in a petrol station, or I buy a car from somebody or sell a car to somebody on the on the TV show, it, it, I, I do like a hug, and it's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It's, I, I must it's say, weird. I didn't think I'd miss it that much, but I really do. You know, I know it's that contact, it's human contact, isn't it? We need it. Yeah, it's how we live and survive. So uh, please get a vaccine, you clever people in Oxford. Get that vaccine quick. Get a vaccine just so we can start hugging again. Yeah, if nothing else. I, I, I'll, I'll make mine. this promise. I I signed up as one of these NHS volunteers when I was uh, back in England, and I'm going to tell them right now. As soon as you get that vaccine, I'm happy to jump in the car and drive it all over the country. Brilliant. I'll join cool. you. I tell you what, there's a road just trip so we and can a half, get right? it uh, get it out there. Happy to do it. We'll load up the driven chat truck. And we'll get it all round the country. Go, go for it. We, we've got enough room. It'll be brilliant. So, Mike, I mean, you've just alluded to it there. You said when I was back in the UK, you're no longer, you're talking to us from, from sunnier climes right now, aren't you? Yeah, so it's been a weird year for me because uh, we were sort of halfway through the series 16 of Wheeler Dealers. Me and Ant are plodding along in the workshop. We're doing really well. And it came to February and uh, I was going to the Geneva Motor Show to go and do some um, uh, work at Geneva, some filming. So I jumped on an aeroplane, uh, flew home to England uh, to go and meet the team to fly on to Geneva. And uh, as we was in the air, they cancelled the Geneva Motor Show uh, because of COVID. Oh, so um, we were like, OK, so what do we do? We're, we're, we're going to land in Geneva in a minute. So we decided to do what normal people do that fly to Geneva. We hired some skis and wanted to attack the mountain. <laughs> so I had um, I had a few days skiing, uh, which was in and out of France and, oh. uh, and Switzerland. So I had a few days skiing. It was great. I got injured by somebody, so we okay. cut it short. Then I flew back into England, and the day we landed back into England, they literally shut the world down. And then uh, Donald Trump announced on television 
that uh, anyone who's been in Europe, the, not England, by the way, anyone who's been in Europe the last 14 days can't travel to the US. So we're like, uh, well, that yeah. includes me because yeah. I've just been to France. So uh, we had to sit it out for 14 days in the hope of getting back here to carry on filming. And then within that 14 days, Donald Trump extended the ban to include the UK. So that was us. We were stuck back at home. Uh, n- not that it mattered in the end because they had to shut down filming in the US mm-hmm. uh, because they weren't issuing any filming licenses to, to film in the US. So um, it meant that, you know, we had this weird period of, I don't know, gardening. I cleaned the garden <laughs> path 20 times. I helped Michelle repot everything. We... I jet blasted to every door in the house, inside and outside. I painted walls. I, you know, I made the house look amazing in that four-month period. <laughs> and then, um, by hook or by crook, uh, we managed um, to get a special waiver um, because there is a genuine uh, reason for us being here. There's uh, sixty-five people can't go to work unless I'm here. Yeah. Uh, of which most of them are British that live in America. Um, there's uh, we there's a huge deficit to the Californian economy from not having a show made here because we pay for police, fire services, uh, forestry commissions. You know, we pay for a lot of that. Um, so there was a huge reason for us to get back here and carry on making the show. And uh, fortunately, through a, a, a fantastic guy uh, from Cornish Travel, um, a guy called Jonathan Cowley, he uh, managed to worm it through the powers that be that we got this special waiver uh, to enter back into the US. And as soon as I landed, 14 days quarantine here, which was bliss, because 14 days <laughs> in the garden, 14 days in the garden in California. Oh, it was lovely. And then uh, we've been straight at it. Me and Ant have just jumped straight back in it at the deep end. And uh, it's a weird world that we're working in, but we're back making the show at a distance. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mean, and I'll tell you what, Mike, that there is some power there. I've had friends that, that work in the States that have been stranded here in the UK. There's no way they're getting back anytime soon. Did you have a hotline to the big guy yourself, as in, you know, I, Trump? Yeah, sort, sort, sort of. I'll be honest with you. It's been, uh, it was four months of um, pleading with the embassy through Discovery Channel and through me and everybody else uh, and, uh, and explaining to them, you know, why this is important. But, you know, there is a global pandemic and they're going, well, you know, why should we single you out? What makes you special? Uh, so we just kept going at them and kept going at them. And in the end, you, you get through to the right person. And uh, the right person was this Jonathan Callie at Cornish Travel. I'd recommend him to anyone out there. And Jonathan did a, an amazing job um, uh, dealing directly with the port authorities rather than the government. And uh, that's what he did. And uh, he managed to get us back in the country. It was... Uh, it's been a, a long journey to get back here, but we needed to get back here because we've got a show to finish off. And I reckon this is the best series of Wheeler Dealers ever. The cars are amazing. We've got coming up. And uh, I, I need, I'm so, you know, sitting at home for four months or cleaning garden paths isn't me, Andy. You've known me for years. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not happy unless I'm behind the wheel of something or taking the wheel off something. Exactly. And uh, that's what I needed. That's what I needed to do. You need to be getting some grease between your fingers, Mike. That's the, Absolutely, uh, 100%. That's what you need to do. Now, we have a resident on the Driven Chat podcast who is a, who equally, I mean, he's just greasy all the time, and that's John Markar. He's just made it, Mike. He's literally, I think he's carved, I think he's carved through traffic like a hot knife is through that, butter in order to get is he now? Is he now known as Tardy John? <laughs> well, I hope not, Mike. I hope not. Do you remember that thing called the M25? 
It's just oh yeah, that was a really good experiment, wasn't it? With this amazing ring road. Let's just put down three three lanes in either direction, and they'll be fine. We can cope with that. Uh, I think there's a there's a section now round by the M4. I think it's something like. six lanes in either direction and it's still not enough you're right you're absolutely right and it's funny because it's, it's been interesting I've, I've walked into the point of you talking about being in in and around la and, and the west coast and i remember i've done a lot of work over in that that part of the world as well and uh, a lot of the local residents say oh the one thing you've got to be aware of here is the traffic you know the traffic here is so bad every single time i'm like no 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 i i'm no. from uh, i'm from central london we have this thing called the m25 yeah. your traffic is bad but oh no <laughs> no a, i mean what is here it's uh it, it's quite kind of incredible it's still and i'm a driver you know and i've raced cars and uh, i've got racing licenses speed licenses i've done stock car racing but every single day i put my wheels on that 405 freeway i absolutely cack myself i just can't believe what's going on around me it is just like you slot yourself into this weird computer game that everyone is fighting for the same bit of space in front of them they don't give a monkeys about how they cut across lanes indication nobody does it's just incredible i remember working with with a guy from la and we were driving along one of the freeways and i said what's the rule with lane discipline here like is there an under is there like an overtaking lane or a fast lane and he was like what do you mean lane discipline? I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I see. It's just whatever you... Oh, right. And yeah, you just drive along. You're there being is, undertaken by SUVs. You're being uh, yep. overtaken by caravans. You've got people yep. <laughs> diving in and out. So good to know it's not changed. That's good. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't changed. It's um, uh, it's absolutely terrifying. And I'll be honest with you, you know, sometimes uh, me and Michelle, when we're on the motorway going to work somewhere and it's one of those heavy mornings and you drive on the freeway at sort of 70 miles an hour, gather in the rest of this traffic, everyone's doing 90. Every single person is on their mobile phone. Every one of them is got phones planted in their face. And you literally sit in this lane going, ah! <laughs> for, for, for half an hour until you get off it. And you're just thinking, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Something's going to kill me. It's, it's terrifying. I think I've just got my new ringtone. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone's going to clip that audio. Mike, I want to talk to you about something that we don't really discuss very often, but I've witnessed it firsthand in in several different places. And that is, and you'll be too humble to talk about this properly, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And that is star power. Because the reality is that we know some of the statistics around wheeler dealers are ridiculous. The number of places that you can see wheeler dealers, it's almost as big as Mr. Bean internationally, isn't it? I mean, if you look, if you, if you go pretty much anywhere and fiddle with a remote control, wherever you are in the world, chances are you're going to be selling a car. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah. So how does that feel? Because I've, like I say, been privileged enough to be around you in, in many different places. And more often than not, there's a queue for your company. I mean, look, that's very sweet. And I'm going to tell you, it's rather strange because um, you know me personally, and I'm the least starry guy you've ever met in your life. I'm just the guy that fixes up cars for a living. Um, And it's really weird. When it becomes weird is when when we're in a different country. So in England, it's a very different feeling all over the world. So in England, people tend to think that they just know me and, you know, they – feel that they can join in my company and it's going to be fine. And I've been in their lounges for the last 23 years. So they think, well, you know, it's Mike. I know him. He's been with me for 23 years. And they will literally pull up a chair in a restaurant next to me and Michelle as we're holding hands, trying to have Valentine's dinner. They've done they it when you and I have been holding hands, Mike. It's not just <laughs> yeah, you exactly. are. Yeah, they will just literally pull up a chair, start talking to me and um, as if it's fine, you know, and that, that is fine. You know, I, as you know, I've got a lot of time for everyone. Uh, in America, it's a very different feeling here. In America, it's um, uh, when people see me and they know me, and it happens, uh, you know, 20 times a day, it's always a point of congratulation. They run across the road, they stop their car, they jump out in front of me, they chase me down the street, and almost nine times out of ten, the first words they say is, congratulations on your success. Oh, wow. You would never hear that in the UK, ever. You only hear it here. And it's a really lovely thing. It's that American, you know, they they believe in the American dream, and I've lived it. So they go, wow, congratulations on your success, man. I love your show. And uh, that's a weird thing that you get here. It's always a pat on the back. It's a congratulations. And where it gets really strange is when I land in countries where wheeler dealers is almost like a religion. Places like Poland and Italy, it's kind of crazy. If I left, and I say this with the greatest respect to um, you know everyone out there. When I land in, when I land in Italy, it's like I'm a beetle. Honestly, it's, it's kind of weird, and I'm just a guy that fixes up cars. And uh, I remember getting off the aeroplane with Michelle into Milan last year. We were going to do a discovery upfront forum, and we landed on the aeroplane, and we were first off. And as we're walking down into where the border control guards are in the, in our little kiosk, there's five of them spread across their kiosk. As I'm walking down with a 300 people behind me, um, they all looked at each other, leapt out of their boxes, run up the concourse towards me with their mobile phones, screaming and shouting like, uh, like I don't know, like girls at a Take That concert. It was weird. <laughs> but these are, these are the border control guards. Wow. So, and, and then it started. As soon as that started, I come through the airport. It's the uh, people waiting for their loved ones, the other side of border control, just went crazy then the people pulling their bags off the conveyor belt went crazy i'm standing outside waiting for a taxi that everyone went crazy um it, it's just weird it was it was kind of a weird thing uh, me and michelle we walked off into milan that night and uh, i put i had a cap on and we walked off into milan and there's a guy sitting in the town square with a guitar playing uh, the eagles california that solo and he was mesmerizing. This guy was mesmerizing on his guitar. 
and uh, I just we stood and stopped for a second, and then he looked up and he stopped playing, got on the microphone in the middle of Milan's like main square, and went in in Italian. Oh my God! It's Mike Brewer standing in front of me, and the whole town square, the, the, the whole town square, just went mental. Just it was like I don't know some deity had visited. I, I just thought it was really the whole thing was a little bit weird and a bit crazy. Um, so yeah, it does have an effect on you. Uh, I handle it very well because I will stand there and talk to him, but I bore him to death. You know, I'll talk to people and bore him to death. And, and, until they leave, basically. It's me chasing them down the road. Okay, come back, I haven't told you about this one yet. <laughs> listen to um, me more. So, <laughs> listen to me more, I've got more stories. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's very sweet, it's lovely. I've been, uh, I've been watched by the Taliban in the hills in Afghanistan. Um, I can tell you that for, for a fact, I've spoke to them. Um, I've been watched in uh, Iceland. I've been watched in Australia. And these, you know, it's, it's it's a bar show. It plays in every territory in the world. Yes. Yes, it must be It must be really quite strange, but also have that air of, yeah, 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 the show The show works, you know. <laughs> yeah, it does work. I've said the only time I've ever used it, tiny bit for my advantage, and it's very funny, was I was with the film crew. We were filming in Vegas, and uh, I was with the crew, and we went out for dinner that evening. And we, it was that lovely Paris hotel with the... Eiffel Tower and the Las Vegas Strip, and it was packed. It was buzzy. It was busy. It was lovely. So I walked up to the maitre d at the entrance to the uh, restaurant and said, "Have you got any tables? We'd like to uh, have dinner." And he said, "Oh no way! You, you're kidding. You know, you have to book a month in advance. Uh, you, you come at the wrong time of year. Uh, get out of here, you lie me!" Like I just walked off with the crew, thinking there's no chance we're going to eat there. We're going to end up in the Golden Arches. That's where we're going to end up. As I'm walking down the road, uh, about five minutes later, the same maitre d' is running behind me with sweat pouring off of him, waving his cloth in his hand, going, Mr. Brewer, Mr. Brewer, come back, come back. So I turned around with the crew and said, uh, beg your pardon, what, what, what? And he said, it just so happens, I've got a table. I've got a table for you. And I went, oh, that, that's nice. We've just back. And he went, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. Please, 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 we insist you come back. So we get walked back and we get walk through the restaurant and put right in the, the window at the best table, like oh, in the in the whole place. And then all of a sudden, a bottle of champagne just comes in a bucket and lands <laughs> on the table. And I, I think, what the hell's going on? I didn't order champagne, and that's going to be expensive. You know, here, it's going to be a lot of money. What's going on? And then we ordered dinner, and some guy walked over to me during dinner, just sort of knelt beside me and said, I hope you don't mind. He said, uh, I just thought it was really rude when the maitre d' turned down Mike Brewer coming to uh, this restaurant. He said, so I told him who you were. And he said, and so uh, he panicked and ran after you. And I said, I, he said, I hope you don't mind me doing that. And I sat there with this free bottle of champagne going, no, I don't, I don't mind yeah, the size. The only time in my, the only time in my life I've ever enjoyed it. It's really good. Tuck in. I love it, Mike. That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Oh, happy yeah, days. Uh, Mike, look, we've, we've got so much to discuss. And of course, I'm mindful as well that there is a new season of Wheeler Dealers on the way. Something that, you know, we, we do have to discuss. But I need to bring up a name for you because I had a conversation about yeah. you just the other day. Um, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thrilled to say that joining me on Driven uh, is was James May. 
And oh, my lovely James. Exactly. And you know, one of the first things that we established with James was that back in 1998, he and you hosted Driven on Channel yeah, we 4. We did. We did. It's just kind of come full circle. And I must say, he was extremely generous about with you. You know, he'd said it was his first TV gig, but, you know, you made it very simple for him. And he talked about the hotel that you guys stayed in the night before filming. He described it in a quite a quite a naughty way. And he basically said, yeah, so we sort of, all we knew was the cars. And then we busked it the night before. That's exactly right. And me and James uh, had a fantastic relationship during that period of time. You know, we... Uh, we both just basically love cars. You know, it, the, the show was about cars. It was focused around, we know nothing else. And uh, we'd sit in the hotel the night before and they'd say, tomorrow you're testing the Peugeot 206 against the Renault, uh, Renault Clio against the Say It Ibiza. You know, there's three hatches for you. You're testing those tomorrow. And we would just sit and talk about what we were going to do the next day in cars, 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 cars. How are we going to measure them against each other? How are we going to rate them against each other? And do you know what? It was such a successful show. It was a huge show for Channel 4. It was fantastic to do. I loved every minute I spent with James. We laughed. Uh, we, we had so many adventures around the world, me and James, together, doing uh, when we were reviewing cars. Just for, He was, uh, I think, auto car. I was auto express. And we used to meet on car launches all over the world. I've got some funny stories. Uh, but no, it, but I'm glad he was complimentary because um, he's a great guy. He's had an amazing career. And the best thing that ever happened to him was him getting pushed off of Driven um, because uh, he went on to create who himself, you know, rather than what somebody wanted to make of him. Yeah, no, he um, he he did obviously talk about how that led to Top Gear and so on and so forth. But he was yeah. extremely, extremely complimentary about you, which was which was really nice, Mike. I really enjoyed Lovely. that. Now, I'm thrilled to say that I've got John Marker and Amy Shaw here with me, um, both obviously yeah. like all petrol heads, both proper fans of Wheeler Dealers. And I've been fortunate enough to have had a sneaky peek at the cars that are featuring on the upcoming series of Wheeler Dealers. This is a bit of an yeah. exclusive for us. You know, not only do we have access to you, but... But we've been told a little bit about the show. And so I've asked Amy and John to pick out a couple of choice picks because I know that, well, frankly, they're going to want to ask you about it. So I'm going to start with John. He's just coming. He's had a good old flick through some of the press release stuff and some of the stuff that has, hasn't been seen yet. And there's a few that's had you salivating already, John, aren't there? There are. So the one, the one that jumped out to me first. Is it the most expensive one? <laughs> Ooh, I don't, you know, I doubt it is actually, but it's one that sticks in my head because it, it brings back very happy childhood memories, and it's the Nissan 300ZX. That's the one that caught my eye as well. Ah, see, I remember. Right. I, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you chose that one because it's you know brings out fond sort of lad memories for me as well. Yeah. You know, that was a car uh, when I was sort of you know finding my feet. Um, do you know what? It, it's funny, isn't it? I'm just looking through the list of cars of this. What I will be told by the UK audience, this very American, you've sold out American show, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's every, car, every car on the list you can buy in a car dealership in the UK, Absolutely every single right. one of them. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the Nissan 300ZX, the reason I, I chased one of these and the reason why I wanted one, this is probably the first time ever in motoring where a manufacturer uh, realized that the audience were debadging their cars. So people were buying the 300ZX across the world. They were debadging them, uh, taking the Nissan badge off because they were 
almost ashamed to be driving a Nissan, but they knew it was a good car. But it actually became an option at the dealership. You could option to not have your badge on the car if you I wanted to. That. That's wow. interesting. Yeah, so this is probably the genesis of the idea for a company like Nissan and for companies like Honda, and then you've got, uh, you know, almost every manufacturer around the world to say to themselves, well, maybe what we need is a sub-brand, and that's where the likes of Infinity pop up or Acura pop up for Honda because they go, well, maybe we just need something else. You know, we need a sub-brand. People want these tasty cars, but they won't buy a tasty car with a Nissan badge on it, so let's create a more uh, exclusive sub-brand. Um, and that, for me alone, is the reason why I've always wanted – I just wanted to tell that story because I think the 300ZX is the, the reason why we have Infinity today. I think that is the reason why it exists. Um, and uh, uh, the car is so good. It's way beyond what Nissan were doing at the time. You know, it's, it, we're talking 1991. They'd only just got rid of the Datsun Cherry, you know, re- before that. And all of a sudden, we're driving a car that's twin turbo. It's, it's a digital dashboard. It's got a switchy gearbox. It handles beautifully, T-tops. We've got this amazing car that comes along in such a short period of time after, saying Nissan Cherry. You're absolutely right. And the thing that sticks in my memory, it probably would have been kind of late 90s. I was still fairly young. There was a garage at the end of my road that used to specialise in importing cars from Japan. And suddenly these spaceship-looking UFO cars were sitting on this guy's forecourt, and he had about six of them. I remember saying to my dad, what is that? Like, I've, never, I've never seen one. And I think at that point... The cars that were coming over to the UK, they did have the Nissan badges removed. So it wasn't immediately obvious what it was. But as a as a kid, I was like, it, it just looks so futuristic and fast and amazing. And, uh, and my dad going, well, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a Nissan, actually. <laughs> and, and yeah, I think it, it's funny because a friend of mine, Ben, had one in his workshop very recently. And we were both kind of walking around it as it pulled in going, actually, for the age, this thing is a bit like the Mazda RX-7. You kind of you, you look at it going was this really early 90s like really and of course my favorite fact which you'll probably know about the nissan 300 zx involves the headlights do you know what i'm about to say yeah yeah go for it so the headlights you're like this andy on a nissan 300 zx were also used on the most expensive one of the most expensive cars you could buy at the time lamborghini diablo i do like that Mm, exactly the same and if you walk up to a lamborghini diablo and look at the headlights it even has stamped into the glass nissan is that right yeah (laughs) honestly yeah (laughs) <laughs> That's fun. Um, Mike, one of the things that we have enjoyed, because your relationship with Ant, Ant Anstead, of course, who we'll have on the show uh, in, in the very near future, is that you do like to present him with challenges from time to time because you know what a sensational mechanic he is. Uh, yeah, I always try to focus on Ant's skill set, which I'm going to be honest with you, he is the Swiss Army knife of mechanics. He can basically do everything from, you know, deep down, deep core engineering to amazing fabrication. And uh, and I want to show off Ant's skills. You know, that's why I've, all, I've also bought cars that need complete paintwork and Ant actually lays down the paint as well. Uh, so he is the jack of all trades. He can do everything. And I'll be honest with you, when I'm looking at these cars uh, to buy, and, you know, this list of cars I'm really proud of, um, each of them show off something that Ant is just blooming brilliant at. You know, they show off one of these, his major skills. And uh, because you can't have every show doing the same thing, you can't have, you know, I can't have eight shows of us changing the brake disc or eight shows of us changing in the interior. Yeah. They need to be mixed up and they all need to be different to show off a different skill set. 
and and Ant's nailed it in this series. Ant's absolutely nailed it. I'm really proud of this one. Yeah, he's he's really in his groove, isn't he? Amy, you've you've got the list in front of you as well. There, I have yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm really impressed, you know, with the range of, of different cars that you have got on uh, on on the list. And the one that caught my eye before the Nissan actually was uh, the 1969 Datsun Sports 2000. That is super cute and super cool. Like where I imagine that you found that in in California and you thought, you know what, this is a cute car. I can paint this what pale yellow with some like bright red interior, and this is something that to go cruising up and down the beach with. Tell me a bit more about that car. Right, right. So I've been chasing a Datsun uh, uh, 2000, 1600-2000, I'll be honest with you, for probably 15 years. Oh, really? I've that never long? been able to, Yeah, that long. I've never been able to find the right one. And there is a reason for that, because the Datsun 2000 is the best British sports car to never be made in England. That's exactly <laughs> what that car is. It's a turnkey, reliable British sports car. You know that in 1968, uh, Nissan went and bought a Triumph TR, uh, TR4. They went and bought a TR6. They went and bought a, um, uh, sorry, a TR5. They would have gone and bought a uh, an MG. They would have gone and bought an MGB. They would have just gone and bought everything. They would have shipped them back to uh, Japan, and they would have reverse engineered them and taken what was the best of those cars and engineered a proper British sports car made reliable in Japan, and you end up with a Datsun 2000. Mm. It is such a beautiful-looking, amazing car to drive. Plus, it's got that uber-reliability. And there's some really nice things about that car that made uh, the story so worth telling when it comes into the workshop. Number one is it needed new brakes on the car, both front and rear. And get this, they're interchangeable with Volvo brakes. <laughs> uh, so you can, you, can up, you can upgrade the brakes. Uh, by putting better Volvo brake, and Volvo know a thing or two about. You're going to feel you're going to feel you, comfortable with a set of Volvo. You're going to feel comfortable <laughs> with a, exactly with a Volvo brake pedal underneath. You feel even more uh, safe. So there was that. I bought the car in the Mojave Desert off a legend, an absolute motoring icon legend. He's called Gene Winfield. He's 94 years of age. He's the guy that created basically uh, George Barris. He's the guy that created. Uh, how to manipulate metal as a hot rod and customize cars. He was doing it in the 1940s. Cool. Um, and this guy is a, is a hot rod legend. And when I went to visit him for another show I was making called World of Cars, the Datsun was just sat in his yard. So um, I asked him there and then, I said, is that for sale? And he said, no, A guy, the guy that owns it owes me, owes me 10 grand. And if he doesn't pay me, I'm taking that car. <laughs> and uh, within a few weeks, he phoned me and said, I'm going to sell you that car. I'm taking title of it, and I'm taking. I'm going to sell it to you. So uh, I was so pleased to get it because being in Mojave, it was rust free. Yeah. There was no rust on it. It was just blooming brilliant. And to find a '69 Datsun uh, uh, Roadster with no rust is a rarity, yeah. uh, which meant that we could focus on the other things. You know, things like it had no roof on it. I saw it had no soft top uh, because it's in Mojave. The soft top was taken off probably 30 years ago. Um, thrown in the bin because they go, well, why do you need that? We yeah. live in the desert. Yeah, why do you need that? You don't need, a, don't need a roof. So it's things like tracking down the roof, putting the roof back on it, you know, doing the brakes. We adjusted the way that the car drives and did some uh, fantastic fabric, uh, sorry, some fantastic suspension work as well. Um, 
it's great. You're going to love that show. It's such a good show. You know, what I like about this, Mike, is is that, you know, you've just alluded to the fact that whilst you were filming another show, you spotted a car like this, which which basically <laughs> kind of marries with whatever I, whenever people say to me, you know, what's what's Mike Brewer really like? You know, because he seems like such a lovely guy. What's he really like? And I obviously talk to, talk to people about what you're really like. And one of the things I say alongside, you know, how lovely you are is that you never stop. You basically <laughs> work seven days a week, 18 hours a day, every day. Every day. And I'll be honest with you, uh, don't just think it's when I'm visiting other people uh, for other shows. No, yesterday I was in Costco with Michelle, and I, as she's inside, I'm You're driving around a car off park. Now, Mike. You're just showing off. You're I'm, in, just, you in I'm just driving, no, I'm no. driving around a car park in Costco thinking, uh, look, there's a Pissau sign on the Jeep there. I am genuinely doing that. <laughs> I'd never stop. See, there's a question I was going to ask, because I, like many people... It, it, Wheeler Dealers is always on in the background somewhere. You know, if you're working from home, you want some background noise and you don't want it to be come dine with me or something. You, you know, you put on something and hopefully you can find Wheeler Dealers. And I always think the question that I've always had is how how much of the sourcing of the cars is down to you? Yes, and I guess one of my questions as oh, well. Sorry, um, no, it's okay. I'm, 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 I'm glad you asked. I'm very intrigued to hear because <laughs> it sounds to me, hearing you say that, that a lot of it you kind of. I, I, Correct me if I'm wrong, but are you pushing producers to one side and going, no, leave that to me. No, leave that to me. You're not the car person. I want to go and find it. I don't I don't have a car buying producer. Amazing. No, there is nobody on that side of the team that helps me. It's just me. That is you. So I go and find, I find all the cars. I research the cars. Uh, there is a little process to it. So once I've found the car, I could probably find, you know, five Datsun Roadsters. But once I narrow them down to the one that I want, say there's two or three, um, I will get one of the guys that works for us. He, the guy I actually meet this morning, he's left and joined Top Gear, uh, unfortunately, and he's not been replaced. It's called Sean uh, Winograd. I will get Sean, because I'm usually filming or doing something else. Did you say his I'll surname was Winograd? Winograd. What an appropriate name for someone <laughs> grabbing cars great, for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I tell Sean he'd be, to He'd be reach really out useful down people. the arcades, wouldn't he? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I tell him to reach out to these people to see if they're real and the cars are real. And uh, if the, the problem is if people get me on the phone, they tend to just want to talk for hours. And um, I, I say, just find out if these cars are real. So Sean will go through my list and hear a phone to people say, yeah, the one here in Mojave is real or the one there in Maine is real. Um, if it's If it's somewhere I can get to, so if it's within a, say, a 400-mile radius of where we are, I will go and get to it myself. I will go and see it before the crew go and see it, before we turn up with the film crew or the mechanics. I will go and see the car uh, and check it out myself. If it's further away, like it's in a different state or the other side of America, I will uh, engage the services of a local mechanic, which I'm quite good at. So I'll just phone a local shop and say, is there any chance somebody can run out, go and check this car road for me, make sure it's real, it's got four corners on it, and, you know, the guy does live in the house where he says he's lived, uh, <laughs> just check it over for me, the car, and give me a report. And it's just like having an RAC or an AA inspection. And if it is real, I will then, from there, from that moment, I will then decide that it's good enough for us to all jump on an aeroplane at the huge expense of with a crew and travel to go and buy that car. So, uh, fundamentally it's me that finds the cars and me that sources what they're going to do what we're going to do to them the jobs uh and how it's all going to work mike i've got to ask right since being stateside and of course you know you were new to the to america when you when you landed over there and, and started sort of filming properly there a few years ago you've obviously 
bought lots and lots of cars over there and seen lots and lots of the states now, which is brilliant. And I actually enjoy, for one, I enjoy the backdrop of America, but I know you've had some, some grief about it, but we'll come on to that in a moment. Have you ever had a moment where you've turned up to innocently collect a car and you've basically walked into a drama? Now, I'm not asking for guns, <laughs> but have you walked into, you know, a properly rowing neighbourhood or, you know, the, the car's on fire or just something completely dramatic and unexpected? Not yet, ultimately. Oh. <laughs> no, not yet. I, I, I'd say the only, the closest thing uh, that I can tell you to that is on my series, World of Cars, the very first show, uh, the producers said, right, we've got this great idea. You're going to go and hang out with the LA gangbangers and the low-riding culture. <laughs> and I'm like, I am so out of my depth here. You know, look at me. Hello, everyone. This Wingsman here. Boy, I do, li I do like the tattoo of your AK-47. Where did you get that? Why, why, do you have, why do you have five teardrops coming down your cheek? Oh, you, you killed five people. You killed five people, really. Um, right, just, tell, so, just tell him you hang out in Costco car parks. You'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. But you can imagine what that feels like when somebody says that. Yeah. And I was, I went into that thinking, this is a fish out water. You know, I'm just, a, this is going to be ridiculous, you know, being thrown into this culture. And I will tell you, I went and met these, this massive gang with exactly as described, black T-shirts, big long shorts, white socks, black sneakers on, a black baseball cap, sunglasses, all of them tattooed with glots on their necks or AK-47s, all of them with tears, uh, tattoos coming down their face. I'm literally in the in a gang, right? So I would get pushed into this gang with a film crew, you know, posh little film crew. And <laughs> do you know what? I had the best time of my life. They were the nicest people I've ever met. We actually become friends. I've still Aww. talked to some of them today. Uh, they were the nicest people I've ever met. It's all, uh, they are so family orientated. They're so about protecting their family and protecting their neighborhood and protecting each other. It's just incredible to be around them. So I come away from there, literally, you know, high-fiving them, thinking, where do I get my black baseball cap? You know, I'm going to just, <laughs> I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slam my car. Mike, we all know it's always useful to have a backup career. You know, should <laughs> should anything just like, should, should television suddenly cease? Like, you know, all the powers of, of the world decide no more TV for anyone, then at least you know gang life is always an option. <laughs> yes, it is always an option for me if I ever want to go down that road. <laughs> I, think, I think you'd suit some, some teardrop tattoos. Say that again, Amy. I think you'd suit suit some teardrops, uh, te teardrop tattoos. Yeah, well, I, I can do, I'll do it with Sharpie later. There it goes. <laughs> I'll do it with Sharpie. And let's see how it works when I go on the screen later with me uh, teardrops down my face. Listen, I'll throw me plimp soles up on top of the uh, the line across the road as well, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Mike, I know we, we can't take too much of your time, but, but you know, I alluded it to it earlier. And you and I have discussed this on air, on, on mm -hmm. other formats before, about the... Um, the sort of fan backlash that you receive on a regular basis. And this this has ranged from, you know, when Ed left, of course, we've discussed that at length and, and, and you know, people having, you know, beef with Ant and all this sort of nonsense. And you've weathered the storm a long, long way. But one of the things that, that doesn't seem to go away, despite the quality of the shows that you're putting out, is the sort of, there is a, a, a contingence of Brits that sort of get a bit frustrated that you're filming everything in America these days. Yeah, and uh, I simply don't get it. You know, we still don't get it. I, I get the fact that they think it's a British show that, you know, 
moved away from them. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's always been American. We've made, we put an American car in Series 2 onwards to today, so I don't get that argument. Also, it, we're not, we're Brits. We're a bunch of English guys making a show on location and we're making 27 shows a year rather than 12 shows a year. Mm. It's as simple as that. It just comes down to weather. And if you look at the range of cars that I've chosen since I've been here in America, they are cars more or less, nine times out of ten, you can find on any street in Europe. And uh, so I, I simply don't get the argument. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, jealousy. People, they, I'm, I'm just a regular guy, and they think, oh, look, at why is he living on the beach in California. Why is he doing that? And I'm not doing that. And really it's more about them rather than me. It's more about that. You know, they realize that their lives are not as good as they can be. And so they lash out. And, uh, I, I know that I'd accept it. It is what it is. It comes with the territory of being, uh, on this big show. You know, it, it, unfortunately my, um, uh, the people that tend to tune into me a little bit more vocal than anybody else. <coughs> I often wonder when Anton Deck, go down to make I'm a celebrity for a month in Australia if they get the same abuse you know that's a good question you've you've sold out you've sold out to Australia I wonder if they get the same because it's exactly the same principle the same thing which is it's made by English it's presented by English people filmed by my English crew produced by an English producer the showrunner is Jake Cardew English Uh, Chris Hill is one of the senior producers English everyone's English yeah I've got to say though Mike you did you did sort of treat your um, your English fans with a- another show with my good buddy Elvis, Mark Priestley, which was, it, that's gone down very well indeed, hasn't it? That was filming here in the UK, um, and, and that was extremely well received, wasn't it? Amazingly received, and get the irony of this conversation. There was not one single comment, and I've had millions over that show, that people said, great to see you back in England. Not one. How ironic, eh? So they're begging for me to come home, but as soon as I come home to do a show, they just don't mention it. Um, but I absolutely love doing that. Elvis is a real proper bloke to work with as well. Uh, that guy, you know, it's so funny when, because uh, people do get confused. They think, you know, they try to measure Ant against Ed and Ed against Elvis and Ant against Elvis. And they're all brilliant in their own right. Ant was a, is an amazing uh, talent. Ed is an incredible engineer and talent. Um, however, when people say, who is this guy Elvis? You know, this new guy that you've got Elvis. He's no mechanic. And the, the stock answer for that is he took Lewis Hamilton to his first Formula One World Championship. Yeah, now, yeah, you can- uh, go and go- go- Google Google his name before you make a stupid comment. It's a mic drop moment, isn't it? It's it's very it much... It is, it's of, wonderful. You, you're questioning wonderful. his skills, look up Formula One, you know. Yes, yes, it's brilliant, isn't it? I love it, I absolutely love it. Now, I know because I was I was lucky enough to join you on set when you were filming um, in the UK that you were you were enjoying being back, Mike. I know that I know you love your life in, in the States as well, but this, was there part of you that was thinking, hey, this is, this is good to be home for a bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's great to be back at home, great to be near my family because my family are all in England. Great to be near my friends like you, you know, so I can get to see you and have a coffee and and we can hang out together. Of course, you know, this has been an amazing adventure to be here for the last six years making this show. has been an incredible adventure. But ultimately, you know, I'm an Englishman. I live in England and uh, I still pay my taxes in England. My family is still there. My home is still there. Uh, so ultimately, you know, there is this 
uh, th- there's always that thought in the back of my head about, you know, what, what we can achieve in the United Kingdom. And Dream Car was a perfect example of that. You know, I went back for the summer. We made that absolutely incredible series and made people's dreams come true. And, uh, you know, I, I hope and it looks like uh, we're going to be pushing on to do another series in the future of Dream Car, which would mean firmly and squarely I'll be back in the UK again. And my brain's going thinking, wouldn't it be great to see Elvis, you know, on the tools, in the main workshop, on the Wheeler Dealer workshop. I just think it'd be fantastic to see him doing that. And I think the audience would like to see that too. So, you know, there's loads of things that we can uh, get excited about, about the future of of where Wheeler Dealers is going to go. But I can tell you, what I can tell you officially is there is a future. And it's a huge future for Wheeler Dealers. And I'm so excited about about what's going to be happening in the future. It's going to be an incredible run. Mike, that i got to press on this. That feels like an exclusive. I've just joined the dots there. Does that mean what I think it means? Does it mean what? I'm coming back to the UK to make more Wheeler Dealers? With Elvis, perhaps? Uh, well, I'd like to see Elvis in the workshop. I think the audience would like to see him in the workshop. I'll be honest with you. I know Ant's dead keen to have Elvis in the workshop and because, you know, a guy... Guy took Lewis Hamilton to his first Formula One World Championship. So I think it would be nice to see uh, Elvis in that role. And I think Elvis would be absolutely brilliant at doing that. And there's no reason why we shouldn't. You know, there is no, it, it, it doesn't have to be one person or another person. Uh, Wheeler Dealers is not about the people. We always say this. Me and Ed used to say it. We said it for 13 years together. The star is the car. It's not us. We're just, the, if you pardon the pun, the tools to make the car look amazing. Um, and, and I've got this, I've got this brilliant toolkit at the moment. I've got these amazing tools in my toolbox. I've got Ant and I've got Elvis, and they're brilliant people to use to rebirth these cars and to give cars their life. So yeah, you know why not mix it up a little bit in the future? I'd like to see that. I'm pretty sure the audience would like to see that. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it's a discussion that I think would be a really exciting one. I've, I'm just going to say this, Mike. I think it would be lovely if you came home. Oh, that's only because you want you want me to go out for coffee with you. That's a selfish oh, reason. You're very good at picking up the tab. I mean, you know, it's a it's, it's a I am very thing. good at that. I, do, I am very good at that. Every now and again, in a in a you know in in these lovely chats, you know that we have you and I, Mike, and and, and me with some of the other people, and, and Amy and John. You know, you, you sort of you have an unexpected moment where you think, oh, hang on, I've, something's just happened here. Now, on the Driven Chat podcast, some of our exclusive involves John Markar's farts, John Markar's burps. I think what we've just had from Mike Brewer is quite an exciting exclusive that you can't necessarily say yes to, but maybe. Uh, well, no, listen, my brain is, all, um, is always thinking about what the possibilities are and what the future could hold and how could you, we already have the most watched uh, car show in the world and you don't get there without putting a lot of hard work into it uh, and and mixing it up and doing things that are exciting and keeping it fresh for the audience uh, and to maintain that to have the most watched car show one the biggest car show in the world to maintain that i believe my producer's head on here i believe that um you sometimes you need to mix it up you need to make changes you know for the for the benefit of the show if it meant that it, it meant that i i went somewhere else i went on to do another project for a while and uh popped back into wheeler dealers and there was somebody else to to, to buy the cars i for the benefit you of the show i think that's the great... show mike there's i mean that <laughs> listen, I just, you're you great know, at listening the to the fans the show, no one wants you off the show mike now steady steady well i'm just saying you know there's all these 
my brain always thinks like that. You know, we've created this thing. It's been up there for, you know, decades now. It's been a big show for decades. And I want it to continue. You know, I never want it to end. I love what I do. I love rescuing cars. I love the interaction with my co-hosts. Uh, I love the team. You know, we've got the same camera crew we've had since Series 2. Uh, John, Nick, and Simon, they've never left my side. Um, and it's a family. You know, we're a big family unit. And there's no reason why that family can't have new new babies in the family or, you know, granddad dies and somebody else new joins. There's no reason why that. That shouldn't happen. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, well, what I can tell you, Mike, is that I've got a uh, an overly excited Markar with a sizable smile on his face at, at joining the dots of the possibility. <laughs> Amy looks thrilled to bits. What, but what I would say, Mike, is you, you are, as ever, such a generous and lovely, lovely man to chat to. And I really appreciate your time today. And I know we've interrupted you because different time zones, etc. You know, you've got a whole day ahead of you. We're about to go and have some dinner. So... <laughs> oh. Oh, don't make me jealous! Don't make me jealous. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, I have got a big day ahead of me today. I'm doing some exciting stuff uh, with my own, uh, with my own personal car. Actually, a car that I'll, I'll be. Um, sorry, Michelle's in the background. Going, ours, our personal car. <laughs> I've got a, a Porsche 82 SC. Most people would have seen oh, it out yeah. there online. And um, uh, here's a little. I'll drop something here. Before I ship that car back to the UK, I'm going to have some work done to it here. So today I'm going to meet the engineers who are going to do some work to it. Fantastic. Well, Mike, if you need a place to store it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I've, had, I've had about 50 people say that. Oh, I can look after it for you. I can look after it. <laughs> okay, so you're shipping a car back to the UK and it happens to be one of your favourites. I'm going to keep spelling it out for the audience now in case no one's figured <laughs> it out. <laughs> um, Mike, listen, have an amazing day. Thank you very, very much for your company. And of course, I do want to also alert people um, to the wonderful video that you've made for us as well, where you give us an exclusive tour behind the scenes on the Wheeler Dealers. I mean, how cool is that? So Mike, It's very cool. You've been brilliant. It's very cool. Uh, you'll get to see, uh, you'll get to see the, the workshop. Uh, you'll get to see Ant's machine shop, Ant's metal uh, shop, uh, my office where I sit. And I'll give you a little exclusive. It's a nice little exclusive. Um, you know, behind the scenes of Wheeler Dealers. It's, it's, it's a good one. Love it. Love it. Um, Mike, from, from myself, John and Amy, a, a huge thanks. What a, what a star. Thanks, guys. I love that. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> definitely. Please. Definitely. Mike, thank you very much. Have an amazing day. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up really soon. All right, bud. Lots of love. Take care, mate. All then. the best. See Bye. ya. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The 
very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.